Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. We're in week two of our three-week series. Last week we spoke about um, the mission uh, to pursue. And I hope that that was something that was helpful to you to understand where we stand from as a church. And that is, um, number one, the most important thing for us is to understand that God loves you. And it's not a love that is passive. It's not a love that God says, I love you, and then He stands at a distance. But it's a love that is active. It's a love that pursues. He went through so much to get to you, to speak to you, and to really reach out to you. And I hope that last week that got real for you, because like we mentioned, that's a turning point for you. And I said you about a hundred times, I'm sorry, but um, yeah, just to explain it, yeah, that's um, something that for me, when I discovered the, the personal work of God in my life, how He was pursuing me, was something that changed my whole perspective of Christianity. And so we hope that you took that home with you, and have been able to really really uh, walk through life with that perspective of God pursues me, continues to pursue me today. Um, And from there, we also talked about how we want to pursue people with the same kind of passion that God had for us. And that's why it's so important for you to understand God's love for you. You are unable to represent God if you have got the wrong picture of God. You get what I mean? So, And that's why we're also sharing about all these things about who Lyft is, because if you're going to be a part of Lyft, you represent Lyft wherever you go. And that's why we're sharing the heart of it, and it's so much more important that you get the heart of God for you, so that whenever you go and, and you talk about God's love, you actually know for yourself that's 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 what it is about. And and uh, we didn't really get um, to talk about practically how we're doing that at Live, then because I completely ran out of time and got so passionate about stuff and helping you understand God's love that I forgot to cover that part last week. And so just to touch on some stuff that we are doing as a church to pursue. In particular, uh, I want to talk about our Sunday mornings. We've got lift groups that are are social groups that are are meant to help you uh, bring our community to to your friends and to your family and all uh, the different events that we've done. For example, a pop-up carnival or Christmas on the green. Those are really important to us. But on a weekly basis, our Sunday mornings is a really important tool uh, in pursuing our community. And the reason why we do that, uh, why we say that is because we have tailor-made our experiences to be accessible to all people. That's a key word for us, accessible. What we mean by that is that no, we're not going to shy away from the truth. We still base this whole church on the Word of God and the Word of God alone. Uh, but with that, we are not going to talk to you as though you are a, an inferior being. And we're not going to put you down. We're not going to make it sound like, hey, to belong to us, you need to learn all this in speak, but what we want is to make it as accessible for anyone to come in and experience what we've experienced and, and, and that's a key thing as well we don't call this a service because we're not here to fix you, you're not some kind of car that has done uh, 10,000 miles and now you're broken down and you come to church for a service, we're not here to fix you, but we're here to help you encounter God, to have an experience that hopefully you enjoy, if nothing else if you don't meet with God, we hope that you still get to walk out of here and feel bigger about yourself. We know that life gets a little bit tough. We know that when you go through your Mondays to Fridays, stuff starts to get you down. And we're hoping
hoping that through this experience, you can go out and hold your head a little bit higher. Know that you are loved. Know that you are valued. Know that you are worthy. And that's so important to us that we are creating an experience. So that means that if your friend comes and has never been to church before, we're not going to say, hey, pay your dues before you walk in the door. We're not going to say that. It's accessible. We're not going to say, raise your hands at least that high. If not, you're going to feel out of place. That's not the case. If you want to sit down during our whole experience, that's fine. You don't have to say amen. You don't have to say any prayer. You don't have to engage in anything that you don't want to because this is an experience for you. For myself, when I go to another church and I don't, no one knows me, to be honest, I'm, I, I'm just taking it in. I just like taking it in. I don't like necessarily engaging too much in every single moment. I like taking a back seat and taking a look at everything. I probably look like a non-Christian. It's what it looks like, and I understand that. In fact, I'm looking around all the time that Beck always thinks that I'm being distracted, and what's going on? Is something going on? It's like, no, 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 I'm just being me. And so I understand that when people come in here, it might be a new experience for them, and it might not necessarily be second nature. And so we want you to be yourself. We don't want to say, you need to do all of these things, and, and that's why we do our experiences the way that we do. We try to make it as accessible as possible. We, we, we try to do away with as much Christian needs as possible, because we want you to be able to feel at home and to be able to engage. And so if you think that we're doing that well, invite your friends. That's so important to us. This is a safe place. We're hoping that you can bring your friends and know that we're not going to Bible bash them. We're not going to corner them in a little corner and say, until you say the sinner's prayer, you're not going to go home. We're not going to do anything like that. But we hope that they're going to, through this, feel welcomed, feel loved, and at some point open their heart to experience God for themselves. So that's why we do what we do. We try to do it a little bit differently. There are going to be some Sundays where I'm not going to preach and we're going to go out to the park and enjoy the sun. And that's okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. Because Christian doesn't mean you have to listen to someone yap on for an hour every Sunday. Uh, I know I did last week and I apologize for that. <laughs> but I got a clock this week, so I'm not going to go over. I hope. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to reach out to a community. We're going to make them feel, man, that's, a, that's different. That's cool. I don't mind being a part of that. Because the thing is that most people who have never been to a church, when they hear church, they hear boring and irrelevant. That's something that we're fighting against even before we started. And that goes across the board for every single church. And we want to be a church that people can go, that's something that I can engage with. That's something that I can say, I enjoyed that. And, and so that's why we do what we do. Cool. So spread the love. Help us get the word out. Invite your friends. That's really important to us. If, if every single week we all, all we do is gather together with the same few people, uh, we might might as well tailor it to help you out. Uh, we might as well talk about the three-headed beast in Revelation. We might as well talk about all that kind of stuff. But we don't. Why? Because we want you to be able to understand this is accessible for your friends, for your family, and, and, that, and that's really important to us. Cool. So understanding that God pursues us with a love um, that, you know, we didn't, we didn't deserve it. That's something that is foundational to our faith. If any person is trying to work for their salvation, it goes against everything that the Bible is talking about. You cannot ever deserve the love of God. And that's why it's so important that God was the one that pursued us. And the Bible even refers to the fact that even while we were sinners, even though we were rejecting God, God still came. God wanted to be in relationship with you. That is foundational. That is so important. Ephesians 2.8 puts it this way. 
way. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Many of us know this because it's foundational to what we believe. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. So important to us. And the thing is that many Christians understand that. They start to get that. In fact, this is probably something that has been churning up. Uh, over the last maybe 100 years or so, there was really this regeneration of this idea that I've been saved by grace. I've been saved by grace. It's a grace that accepted me for who I am. But what's, one thing that we start to notice is that some people start to have this understanding that if God accepts me for who I am, He will accept me for who I am tomorrow, even if I don't change. And God will continue to just simply accept me for whatever I do. And, and it's true. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's how great, that's how deep, that's how awesome God's love is. But what we start to realize is that something begins to churn on the the inside of every person. This is a tension that you're going to come head to head with in your Christian walk. And we want to be honest about this. We want to be upfront about this. And some people, they see this tension as, I didn't sign up for that. Wasn't it that when God came and took me and accepted me for who I am, He will take away all the struggles? He, because he, doesn't He love me? Why doesn't He make this Christian walk easier? Why do I still struggle with addictions? Why do I still struggle with those, those temptations? Why do I still struggle with those thoughts? It's something that many people come head to head with and they walk away because they thought that God no longer accepts them. But the truth is that the Word of God goes deeper than that. In fact, you might have heard this line being used before. Grace accepts you for who you are, but it doesn't leave you where you're at. Grace accepts you for who you are, but doesn't leave you where you're at. It's important for us as a foundation stone to understand grace. To understand that my salvation is a gift and not by my works. But from there, something else happens. And Paul, the apostle, writes about this in Romans 7. And we're going to talk about this in a moment, but just to set the context. Paul was one of the greatest church fathers ever. He wrote two-thirds of the books of the, old, uh, the New Testament, not the Old Testament, the New Testament, sorry. And, and, and he, uh, in one of these letters, actually writes that he had this amazing audience with God, that God actually taught him himself. If you want to understand theology, the study of God, this guy got to hear about God from God himself. And from there, he writes his revelations in these books that we have called the epistles from Romans, all the way to Timothy, Titus, all of those books were written by him and it contains a solid theology about who God is and how we action it in our lives. That's how amazing it is. This man, this man is someone that we um, can base uh, our lives understanding his understanding of God. I, I don't know if I said that well, but I hope that you get the picture that Paul's amazing. He is so cool and in 
the book of Romans especially, he, for some reason, he felt the need to write this letter to the Roman church and explains to them, probably as theologians have said, the most comprehensive foundational theology for any Christian. He writes this book of Romans, which is really quite long and a little bit dense. It takes you a little while to understand it, but it's because he's trying to lay this foundational stone that you can base the rest of your lives on. And in the middle of this amazing book, written by this amazing man, explaining our foundational theology, we read these verses. For I do not understand my own actions. Oh, what? Wasn't it supposed to be like foundational theology? God loves me and enables me to live a victorious life. That's our, my theology. I want that theology. God, you save me. You grace me. You give me all that I need. Strengthen me. Help me get through tomorrow. Paul writes, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the Lord that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That should be a comfort to each and every single one of us. That if one of the greatest Christian men in the whole of history can say that I struggle with my desires. Thank you God. I'm normal. You're normal. Your struggle is not abnormal. It's not good. But at least it is a struggle that all of us are faced with. He continues to say, For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you know that salvation wasn't an event in your life? Do you know that salvation is an ongoing process that we need to keep reaching out for? If Paul was saying, who's going to save me? He's saying, I still need salvation today. And when we see salvation as an event that happened when we said the sinner's prayer, we start to think that I'm already supposed to have everything. But Paul is saying, I still need salvation today. Salvation is this ongoing process. He concludes that little bit by saying, So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. What is going on? He is talking about the struggle of every single Christian. See what happens when we get saved, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we actually get something called a regeneration, a theological term. You can search it up if you want. But basically, to, to boil it down, our spirit comes alive. Yes, 
That's what happens at salvation. We, we, we are more than just uh, flesh and soul, you know, our emotions, our thoughts and all of that. We also have a spirit that lives on the inside of us. It's part of us. And, and, and this is something that I find interesting because even the Curriculum Council of Australia has determined that students need to grow spiritually as well as physically and intellectually. They have actually put into the curriculum of our schools in Australia that there needs to be some kind of spiritual development. They can't define what spiritual development is, but there's this inbuilt need for us to develop our spirits. And that's why we have New Age theology coming out. Uh, or not theology, sorry. New Age uh, religions coming out. That's why we have all these uh, weird spiritual practices because people have decided, not, not sorry, not decided, they have discovered that we have a spirit. And what happens for us uh, when we read the Bible is that we start to get this picture. Without Christ, my spirit man is dead. It has been just so covered up by sin, silenced by all of that stuff in my life that, that, that is practically dead. But when Jesus comes, He breathes new life into my spirit and my spirit comes alive. And that's what Paul was talking about. There's this new law that comes to me is a law that wants to please God is a Lord that desires to find God is a Lord that decides that I want to do right but at the same time he says that at the same very same time there's a law of sin in my flesh so for me I started to ask the question why is it that God didn't get rid of that law of the sin in my flesh and I discovered something. It's because God loves you. What do I mean by that? Is that God has decided that He's not going to take away our will, our ability to choose. If He takes away our ability to choose, then He takes away our ability to receive love and to love. Have you ever tried this experiment where you ask Siri, Siri, do you feel love? And, and Siri gives you this really weird intellectual response and you're like, what the heck is going on? Is because Siri has no will and Siri is not able to understand love. And if God takes away our will, then God takes away our ability to receive His love and to choose to love Him back. And so He allows us to continue having a will. If God wanted to take our will, He could. But He loves us and allows us to have this will and therefore we have this war on the inside of us because He regenerates the spirit inside of us but now we have to choose. And what Paul is saying is that this choice is an everyday struggle. But good thing, he doesn't just stop there. Five chapters later, he gives us this line that shows us how to, 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 to win this battle, how to get through this battle. And he talks about it this way in Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, God's will 
for your life is to prosper you. God's will for your life is an abundant life. God's will for you is peace, is wholeness, is joy. That's His will for you. And before we had uh, Jesus come and, and invite Jesus into our lives, we were not able to understand that that is the will of God for me. And instead, we are choosing our own self-satisfaction. But we've spoken about this many times. When we choose to do that, we are only finding emptiness and destruction in our lives. But yet at the same time, we have this war where the old us is, is struggling to take on this new us that is found in Christ. And so we have this tension, we have this battle, and, and God is saying, that's okay, I've given you what you need to be able to change that. In fact, I'm going to change you from the inside out through a process of transformation that happens through renewal. That's why our second mission is to renew. We want people to experience God's love. But we don't want people to just experience God's love and stay the way that they are. But we want them to be able to walk into the fullness of what God has got for you. We want you to be able to walk in that abundance. We want you to be able to walk in the joy that God has got for you. But there is this process that we have to go through. It's a process of transformation by renewal. And this renewal process happens primarily, as Paul talked about, in our mind. And so when we talk about renewal, we are talking about helping people let go of old mindsets, old perspectives, and taking on the perspectives of God. Another way that we talk about it is that we want people to learn how to let go of worldly mindsets and take on kingdom mindsets for their life. And when you continue on this journey, you will find that you are able to see God's will for your life so much clearer. Some people say, I don't know God's will for my life. Well, you're not giving in to this process of renewal. You're not allowing God to show you through the Word, through worship, through, through prayer, through getting around other Christians, that there's this new mindset that you're supposed to be taking on. It's a new mindset that is easily available to you through the Holy Spirit. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago as well, that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth that will guide you in all truth. He's wanting you to have this new kingdom mindset, not because He hates your old self, but because He wants the best for you. Yes. And so we need to go through this process of renewal. And that's the first thing that I want you to, if you're taking notes, this is really important. The process of renewal is a personal choice. It's an individual choice. If God was not able, not, not, if God was not willing to take away your will, how much less are we going to be able to change your will? If you sit here for five weeks, you're not going to get a change of mindset by osmosis. It doesn't just happen. It's not a passive thing. We have to throw ourselves into this process of renewal. You could be 150 and been a Christian for 149 of them and still be immature because it doesn't matter how many times you've been in church or how many sermons you've heard or how many times you prayed or read your Bible through. It's a choice to say, God, I'm letting go of my old mindsets and I'm taking on my new mindsets. That is something that we want to bring people to, to understand that you have to choose God. You have to say yes to God. You have to say no to certain things in order to say yes to God. That is a process of renewal for each and every person. And it's a process. 
And let me tell you something else, it's a process that is unique to each and every person. It's a process that, that, that we, we don't get a, a, a manual given to us when we are pastors and say, hey, if you do these five things, your people are all going to be renewed and, and they're all going to be like Christ-like. We don't get that. You know, the Bible doesn't even have a manual on how to help people find transformation. There are principles that works for every single person. There are truths that is available for every person. But the journey and the process is different. Why is it different? It's because God handmade you. God handmade you. It says in Psalm 139 verse 3, For you form my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. You were handmade by God. And at Lyft, we want to respect that as much as we can. Sure, there are going to be certain things that we kind of put as a blanket rule for people, and, and it's going to be hard if we don't have those things. We can't be... If you ever use that excuse and come up to me and says, Nate, you're supposed to love me for who I am, I'll probably get really annoyed. So don't you dare use that. But what I'm trying to say is that we will respect your journey. We will respect that God's highlighting certain things in your life right now that sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes I'm like, man, shouldn't it be that way or shouldn't be that way? And, and we are willing to go on this adventure with you. It does make things a, a little bit more difficult. I wish there was a course I could push you through and then you're a true disciple of Christ. It doesn't happen that way. I wish it did. It would make my life so much easier. But the truth is that you are on your journey. You have to choose to go through renewal. We've got great people in this church that are willing to walk with you on your journey. And we will respect that journey. And that's why our logo looks a bit weird. Um, I've had many people talk to us about our logo and like, what's that about? I've heard things from clocks to speedometers. Um, and, and my favorite is when one of our uh, youth leaders back at Centerpoint said that it's, it's a running man and then she did this. <laughs> And I was like, it's totally a running man. It really is. Can't you see it? It just needs a head and a body. It's got limbs. That's all it's got. But no, that is not meant to be a running man. But this to us reminds us that we want to bring a lift to each and every person. We want to bring a lift to our community. And that's why there's this upward trend um, to, to go up and to the right. Um, but at the same time, the lines are not made like some kind of staircase or ladder because each person is slightly different. Each person has a different step to take next. And, 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 and we don't want to just say to you, if you do this, you will definitely get that. Uh, but what we, what we can do is to advise you on your journey. We, we can walk with you. We can continue to love you as God loves you, to accept you as God accepts you. Right now, you are accepted. Understand that. You're not working for your acceptance from God. But what God is trying to do in you is to take you to a new level in your life. And that's what we want to do. And so we're not telling you that where you are right now on that yellow step, that's the wrong place, or why aren't you any higher? Right? What we're trying to say to you is, look, there's another step. And for each person, that step might be a bit different. And it's something you want to respect. But that means that you don't go around comparing yourself to someone else and someone else's journey. There's no cookie-cutter rule. You might look at my life and say, "Why well, I'm doing the same things as Nate does. Why am I not seeing that kind of breakthrough that he gets? Well, because you're different. 
plain and simple. God's not going like, oh, I'm getting a bit like stuck right now, so I'm just going to make about a hundred people that look exactly the same way. No, you're different from me. And that's great. We love that there is variation. We love that in this church there's all kinds of ethnicities, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of ages, because that adds to the adventure of life. Yeah. But we need to accept that my journey is my responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not responsible for your journey. I can't make you change your will and neither can I renew your mind but you have to subject yourself to that process but when you do things are going to look up the second thing though is that the the process of renewal even though it's an individual choice is best done in community God has chosen the complexity of relationships to help us go through this process of renewal have you ever been in a place where you had this mindset, this way of thinking, this perspective um, that you were so sure was right? It is the only way to see this thing. I like my boxes. I've got my boxes in my head. It's, it's just clear. It's black and white. You are in the wrong box. You better choose which box you want to be in. And that's the way that I have my thoughts kind of, I don't know, shelved. And, 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 and yeah, for many years in my life, I was a bit of a stick in the mud because that's the way that I thought. And, and, and I'm also a really um, argumentative person. When someone tells me that I've got the wrong kind of boxes, I don't like that. And I'll push back. But um, one particular person that I really respect. His name is Pastor Dan Sheik. He used to be my youth pastor and now he's uh, in charge of Per City Church. They planted Per City Church three years ago now. And and he was a guy that was able to always challenge my boxes. <laughs> he was annoying. And I remember one particular um, conversation. I don't remember the whole conversation. I just remember that at some point we were talking about God's will and, and for me my box was that Um, you know, I need to find God's will. I need to be able to know that the next step that I'm taking is is squarely in the middle of God's will for my life. And I'm like, man, if I I don't know that, then I don't know whether I'm supposed to be going and, and this and that. And Dan just said to me, he said, Nate, do you think that God's will is like a tightrope and God's kind of like watching you and the moment you step off the tightrope, God's like, punishment for you! You suck! Your life is now going to fall apart! And, and God's holding this lightning bolt and he's just like, mm, let's see, he's going to trip up. <laughs> let's throw this lightning bolt at his life! And every time that something wrong is going on or something that's not great that you don't like that's happening in your life, you start to think, man, I'm so out of God's will and God hates me so much. And, and Dan was saying to me, Nate, I don't know if that in alignment with the gracious God that I read about in the Bible. And in that moment, I probably had some kind of argument to fight back with him, throwing verses back and forth. But I remember going back, and I was thinking, why do I like angry God? (laughs) I don't know why I like angry God. Angry God's kind of angry. He's always out to get me. And, And I started to realize, maybe I had the wrong mindset. But this is what I discovered. Time and time again is when I wasn't able to see another way, another perspective on a situation that someone like Dan would be in my life and show me, hey, you've got the wrong way of seeing things. You know what the thing about blind spots? You can't see them. 
why they call blind spots because you can't see them your eyes are fixed in one direction you can't see them and that's why we need community God chooses to bring renewal in the context of community in the context of people who love you in the context of people that want to show you that there's something better for your life the Bible says it this way iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another man and the good thing about this is that there is friction there is hurt there is uh, confrontations there are things that we don't like but it's sharpening us it's getting us to grow some of us are like marshmallows and we like to stick in a packet of marshmallows everything is soft and squishy but you've got no point to your life you've got no sharpness to your life you're just as blob (laughs) and God wants to sharpen you God's got a purpose and a point for your life God's got a meaning for your life but you get out of your marshmallow packet and say I want to be iron instead it's a personal choice but it's also the context that you're in Beck really liked the analogy he's like you need to say that it's so funny I was like okay I will I really like marshmallows too But at least we call what we've got here a family. We don't necessarily call ourselves a church because some people don't really like the idea of church. We don't necessarily call ourselves a community because it's a bit weird sometimes. What does a community mean? You get together and like... Community. But we call ourselves family because family means something to us. Family means that we are committed in relationship to one another. Family means that there are going to be times where I annoy you and you annoy me. And that's okay. There are going to be times where I don't see eye to eye with you, but I'm still going to love you. There are going to be times when things don't work out the way that exactly I want. Just like all of you who have siblings. How many times have you tried to control the will of your siblings? It doesn't work. It doesn't work, does it? If you work, if it works for you, then um, you need to get rid of the Jezebel spirit. Just say. <laughs> So I'm a bit of a Christian joke in there. I'm sorry if you didn't get that. I didn't mean to exclude you from that. Um, but we call ourselves family because what we want to forge together is a bunch of people that can say, I want to be part of this. And I'm committed to confrontations. I'm committed to going through times of frustration and hurt because I love you, because I want to see you grow, because I know that that's the only way that we can grow. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, can get the band up. It says this, Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. And this is a clincher that many people forget. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. This is in the Bible. It tells us to choose to be in community. Why does it have to tell us to choose community? It's because many of us are choosing not to be in community. And then we're saying, it's not my fault that I'm not in community. It's not, that person hurt me. That's why I'm not going to church anymore. You know, that person said this about me. I got burnt when I was in that situation. And I'm like, I don't want church anymore. But the Bible says, choose to be in community, encouraging one another. Yes, we're going to get things wrong. I'm probably going to rub you up the wrong way at some point. I apologize in advance. But sometimes I'm like, I don't care. You needed that rub up. Sounds wrong. But I 
hope that you understand what we're trying to say. The mission of Live Church is to see people go through this process of renewal. It's so important. And if you don't choose this process, you're going to find that tension and that frustration. It is already in your life. I don't have to prophesy. I don't have God telling me that person's struggling with their temptation, that person's struggling with their thoughts, that person's got that kind of hurt. I closed my eyes because I wasn't looking at anyone. I don't know. I absolutely don't know. But I do know that every single one of us is struggling in some way every single day of our lives. But the process of renewal doesn't take place without your permission. Process of renewal doesn't take place without you choosing to subject yourself to it. But guess what? We're family, and in this place you will find love, you will find acceptance. And sometimes it doesn't always work out hunky-dory and all nice. Sometimes it takes a bit of work to be in family. And I understand that. I've had enough experiences in my life sometimes to go, man, I'm struggling to be there today. But if you can't be a part of this church, find somewhere where you can be in community, where you can still find a place of acceptance, where you can continue to choose renewal. One thing that Beck and I know is that not everyone will like what we have here. We're pretty unique. We do things the way that God's put on our hearts, and that's, that's all we know. We don't want to be someone else, but that means that we're not going to reach everyone. And if that's not for you, hear the heart. As long as you want to keep coming, we will continue to love and accept you as best as we can. We always want to, we always will. That's our commitment to family. But if you need to find somewhere else, that's fine. But find a family that you can commit to, find a family that you can belong to and keep growing because that's how you test the will of God. Then you can see that fullness of what God has got for you. I'm sick and tired of Christians that are living half-filled lives because they keep just sticking to the old ways and God's like, I've got so much more for you. That's the heart behind what we're saying. And yeah, so in this church, how we do community is that we've got these... This is so important to us. But we also got lift groups that meet through the week. We do all sorts of social events. We want you to find people that you can connect with. That's also important to us. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.